Welcome to the Helium Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with my co-host, Chris Trevino, a serious, non-serious USC podcast where we're going to be breaking down USC's big win over Nevada, 66-14, a big blowout victory there for the Trojans, and look forward to who they're playing this week in their week two opponent, their third game of the season against Stanford, who has uh, looked a little bit better than maybe anticipated in their opener against Hawaii. So, Chris, let's start with your initial thoughts, your takeaways from the win over Nevada. And we're going to do it on a time limit. We're actually because we we just we, we go too long. And by we, I mean me. I go too long when we're talking, uh, you know, breaking everything down. We take away a lot of our later features and segments. So give me – give you two minutes to wrap up what you thought of USC's win over Nevada. You can keep 30 of those seconds because I'm only going about a minute and 30. I'll let you have that. But congrats, your first opening for this show, Shotgun. I, I wanted to do host, uh, rotating hosts, and you owe me two. You owe me two. I just want to let you know. I know you're thinking, Chris, you're cutting into your time. It's okay, everybody. I don't need that much time. I got it. But yes, USC defeated Nevada 66-14. to 14. Now look, this is probably going to be USC's biggest Point differential win of the year. Nevada was just clearly overpowered by this Trojan team. So I came into this game not really thinking that we were going to learn a ton about USC, but it was nice to see that their defense actually, you know, held the Wolfpack to two touchdowns, and two of those were just two big play busts on the defense secondary. But whatever, you know, they got some sacks finally. They got some tackles for a loss. They made some plays all over the field, continuing to build on what they did in week zero against San Jose State. So, you know, the defense looked a little bit better, but again, we weren't really going to learn much against a Wolfpack team that was playing their first game, a rebuilding team. You didn't really know what you were going to get. Only thing we knew was that USC was going to come in here and blow out this team. Now, kind of the real schedule is going to start. But again, I think we learned very little about the this team and this Nevada win. But again, a big win all around on Labor Day weekend, uh, a chilly overcast day i enjoyed the weather shotgun personally i know you weren't there in, in in attendance but yeah we missed you out there but again not gonna learn a ton against nevada now we can get into some of the games where we're actually going to see the progress of this defense pretty good chris i got you at 140 on there so uh you know oh. we're, gonna, we're gonna start it over here reset the clock and see if i what i can get in two minutes um and how much i feel like i'm gonna let, have left out after two minutes but you must you know, meet yourself. My, my biggest takeaway was that the defense showed improvement. You know, I, I know that it was Nevada and, you know, that it, you can't take too much away from this game because of the opponent. And there's still some things that are definitely concerning uh, with the, the cornerback play in particular. You know, they were getting beat. It's man-to-man coverage. A couple times they were the receivers were behind them. Better ball, a little bit better speed on the outside. That's seven points more a couple more times outside of the two really big plays that they had, the two 70-plus yarders. So there are some still concerns there. But the pass rush was an issue in the first week where they were getting out of their rush lanes, where they weren't getting consistent push, and that was cleaned up. Uh, so I thought, you know, you're taking some steps forward. I thought the linebacker play was really good, especially considering you were on linebacker number four and five. Um, so, you, you know, when you you go, you guys get there to the game and you tweet out, uh, Mason Cops not dressed out here at early warmups. Eric Gentry's not dressed. You go, oh, okay, that's, this could be a lot different for USC. And a game you say, they're, no, they're going to roll. Maybe there's some, you know, maybe Nevada gives them some pause a little bit or you, you take a little bit of pause that maybe Nevada scores a couple more points and we hear 
the continuous roar of the the fan unrest with Alex Grinch in the defense, but that wasn't the case. You know, outside that first drive and that you know that one big play that got him down there to the goal line, the first team defense was lights out. I mean, just three and out after three and out after three and out. Bear Alexander's is a monster, um, and he's only going to continue to get better. So I think that was the biggest takeaway there. And then on the offensive side, Caleb Williams just being a dude, um, you, you know, just running around like no care in the world, throwing five TDs when he plays a little bit more than two and a half quarters. So his stats are going to look terrific from the first two weeks. They look really good, but they're not going to look like outstanding, eye-popping, like you're seeing some, you know, stat lines kind of, uh, you know, side-by-side, like Shadur Sanders threw for 510 yards. Caleb Williams has only got 587 or something or whatever it is. It's like, well, he hasn't had to play you know, four quarters each time. So uh, I, I think he, he was outstanding. And I thought Marshawn Lloyd really was outstanding too. So uh, and there was other people that popped and we'll talk about them along the way, but I'm already 15 seconds over Chris. So I'm cutting myself off. I tried. I tried. I took, I, took your, I took your 15 seconds. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, I gave you 20 seconds of my extra. So shotgun, <laughs> I love this idea so much. We're just going to call it the two minute drill. The oh, two minute drill. That's nice. the opening of the show. Look at that. We, we have that. Creative minds come together and we we come up with a new segment. So two-minute drill. Each of us will have two minutes to just share our thoughts on the previous game that we just watched. And Shotgun, I have a feeling you're going to break the two-minute drill. No, you're not allowed to use a timeout at any point. <laughs> to, to timeout. I need, I need to stop the clock. I need, I, need, I need to think about what I'm going to say. No, none of that. It's just straight two minutes. No timeouts. You got to go. You got to go. Hey, but can we get out of bounds? Does the clock stop on the first down? Like, okay. I'm, I'm still not sure how these new <laughs> rules work. I don't know how they relate to podcasts and all that. No, so I'm going to say no. You cannot go out of bounds. All right, Chris. Well, I'm going to give you the option here because I'm hosting and I'm going to be nice. Do we want to continue with uh, you know the Nevada game and go into stock up, stock down, or do we want to skip forward to the week two opponent of Stanford and come to stock up, stock down a little bit later? just got to keep rolling into nevada stocks about this week because i have a lot of stocks this week i i I was writing them and i was like damn i got a lot of stocks i know you'll probably have some (laughs) of the overlapping but i got a lot of stocks just to mention i do not have any stock neutral so it's just stock 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 up for me so if i'm I'm hosting if i'm hosting this thing the stock neutral is not happening i'll just cut that out fair enough fair enough fair enough i'm I'm just respecting the host respecting the host respectfully (laughs) So well, let's start with you. Do you want? To, I'll let you go ahead and start. Well, who's your first stock up, or what is your first stock up? I think my first stock up is going to be Taj Washington. Another mm. big game by Taj Washington. Two scores, just so consistent. And you know, I think he was being slept on a little bit this season, coming into this year. You know, we got Dorian Singer, you got Brendan Rice, you got Zachariah Branch, obviously, Deuce Robinson. You have a lot of these big names. Mario Williams, but not a lot of love for Taj Washington, but I was really big on him. I thought he was going to have a really, really good year, considering how clutch he was throughout the throughout last season, first year in the offense, second leading receiver, 160 yards through the first two games, three touchdowns, you know, one of the top in the nation in terms of receiving touchdowns, just another big performance by him. And he's only has five catches on the season. That's just ridiculous that, you know, five catches, three of them are touchdown. Again, they're not playing as many reps against these first two opponents. You know, the more reps will come, more catches will come. But just the ways the number he's been able to put up in the first two weeks and just be a consistent threat for Caleb Williams has been impressive. And, you know, one of my initial bold predictions for the year is on to a great start with him being a thousand yard receiver for this offense. 
I, the thing is, like, they're, they're spreading the ball around so much. We'll see once they kind of they trim those rotations down, which they did a little bit in this game. You know, you didn't see Deuce Robinson and Jacoby Lane, the opening drive like you did last week. You didn't see him in the first half at all. Um, so, you know, you're seeing those just a little bit. There was some shrinking of, of that, and I felt like they wanted to take care of business. So that was one of my stock ups is take care of business. They did that in the first half, you know, and looking at some of the, I think the rotations really told you that um, I haven't finished all my charting yet, finished the first half, but I thought it was notable. Uh, I'm trying to find the right tab here, but I thought it was notable. Bear Alexander played, you know, basically the first 20 snaps or so, you know, he came, he came out for five or six snaps in the first half total uh, in the first, he didn't come out in the first quarter. Uh, he didn't come out till middle of a, a drive in the second quarter. Now, part of that is the drives were so short in the first quarter, four play, three play, three play, three play. Um, but, you know, he's not coming off the field. That tells me that, hey, we're not rotating here pieces. We're going to go, let's go make an impact, take care of business, and then we'll go to the freshmen and get there in their opportunities. We'll get Braylon Shelby and Elijah Hughes and those guys some reps in the second half because we're going to be up by so much. So I thought that was interesting. Similar on the offensive line, Alani Noah, after starting next week, I mean, last week he did not come in until – you know, after Gino Quinones went down and a couple drives later, they rotated him in starting, you know, later in the second quarter. So he was kind of out of the rotation. And then, you know, after the injury, you know, they they had to go to him a little bit more. But uh, I, I thought that kind of was notable that they changed up the amount of rotations after the first game where they just weren't pulling away as quickly maybe as they wanted to. You know, it was 35-7 before Bear Alexander basically, you know, took any snaps off. So, uh, you know, that told me a lot. And, you know, I also had Bear Alexander because I, I thought he was an absolute monster in this game. You know, it, it reminded me a lot, actually, of Brett Nelon going against the center. I mean, going against the nose tackle at BYU and how it was constantly just he was getting pushed back. Even though he was holding his ground as far as not getting beat and going the – defense tackle going by him um, in, in that, that BYU game for Brett Nealon. But he was just getting shoved back into the feet of Keen Slovis. Barry Alexander was just running through people. They were double-teaming him at times. They were triple-teaming him at times. The the play that, that uh, Shane Lee gets the sack, the big sack, to kind of push him out of field goal range after that targeting penalty, Barry Alexander was getting triple-teamed on the play. That tells you the impact he's having, and he was just throwing people out the club at times. Um, so I don't know the exact stats didn't look like tremendous. aren't going to be eye-popping, but you go back and watch the eye in the sky don't lie on Bear Alexander. He was a monster in this game, and if they continue to get other guys taking steps to do that on the defensive front, the defensive front could end up being really, really good this year. It's Bear hunting season, Shotgun, and he's – He's reversing that is what it means. <laughs> you know, you go out there hunting for bear. No, bear's hunting you. That's what it's been through like, the first couple of weeks here. Yeah, Bear Alexander was a beast. It's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but yeah, he's having kind of the impact we thought he was going to have as a as a force up the middle. My next stock is going to the offense. We got Marshawn Lloyd blocky. Marshawn Lloyd went kind of viral first week for that that pass block kind of out, out in the, the flat that he had against the San Jose State defender. And then he had another incredible block on that Taj Washington first touchdown. Keeley actually tweeted it out where he's running down the field to get in position to spring his teammate loose on that Washington uh, touchdown. You go back and watch it. It's very fun to watch. And yeah, Marshawn Lloyd, that's just a, that's just a football player. You know, going out there, you don't have the ball. doesn't matter. You're going out there and blocking for your teammate. And 
Blocky, get the Rocky. And he actually had a great game as well. You know, I think it was 76 uh, rushing yards and his first score as a Trojan. Uh, you know, he is, I believe he's second in the Pac-12 in all-purpose yards currently. So Marshawn Lloyd, you know, was a little bit playing too fast in the first game against San Jose State. He looked right where he needed to be against Nevada. He was the the, the workhorse back there. Austin Jones first week with those two touchdowns. Marshawn Lloyd was the story of the running game against Nevada but yeah just that block you know he's going to be happy about the touchdowns and those yards but I think he's going to be very happy about that block he put on tape uh, for the whole coaching staff so Marshawn Lloyd blocky stock up two great blocks back-to-back weeks yeah he had a hundred I think it was 135 yards from scrimmage on nine touches he only had seven carries and two um two catches so 15 yards per touch that's pretty darn good for a running back uh, Chris, you know, he was fantastic. He showed the patience that, you know, he talked about last week. You know, he was getting out in front of himself a little bit. Um, and Cliff Kingsbury helped calm him down at halftime of the opener. But he took advantage. Austin Jones actually left the game um, after that, you know, the the play where his helmet came off. He didn't come back in. So I don't know if they, we have to see if he's practicing this week. You know, if he's available for USC uh, on Saturday against Stanford, that would be very disappointing for him if he's not able to play against his former team. But maybe it was just, hey, we know what we got. Uh, so you were already up at this point. I think it was 21-7 probably at that point. Hey, if he's dinged up a little bit, we're just going to make sure keep him healthy. Uh, but Marshawn Lloyd took advantage and was fantastic in this game. And like you said, the block, the runs, the catch, the catch was the most oh. impressive part to me. The block was great because it showed his effort and everything else. But the best part was actually the catch, the the ability to make an adjustment in air because that throw is a little bit behind him. Not many running backs can do that. I mean, Stephen Carr is probably the only other guy that I can think of from USC that's been a, that had that ability as a as a receiver um, and just to be, be able to make those type of adjustments on the fly. So he was really impressive. He was on my list as well. Uh, you mentioned Taj Washington. I, I did want to go back real quick to that because uh, uh, Lincoln Riley mentioned him tonight on Trojans Live and said, you know, they asked him, you know. Why is he able to have success or something? I don't remember the exact question. He said he's one of the most unselfish players I've ever coached. He's tremendous. So he comes to work every day. He's really competitive, willing to do any job. And you kind of see that. He kind of does a little bit of everything. He's actually not started the first two games, but still the leading receiver for USC on five targets. Not just five catches, but just five targets. Uh, And it was the same route. The one he scored on the first touchdown was the same route that he picked up the third down on uh, last week. So just a you know, short route, we're going to put him in space, and he goes makes uh, makes a play happen, 22 yards. And then second touchdown, runs by somebody. And congratulations to him as well. Get a little NIL deal. He announced earlier today that uh, you know his cooking show that he's had, on, I think it's on YouTube, um, the No Huddle Kitchen is going to be sponsored by HelloFresh this year. So congratulations to him. Get a little NIL deal there. They talked a little bit about his chef skills. Lincoln Riley did on Trojans Live as well. If you want to go catch that clip, you can. It was pretty interesting. Max Brown didn't realize he was – he's like, where did the nickname Chef come from? It's like, uh, he's, he's a legit chef. Uh, so he's like catered for the team basically at times. He's cooked for the coaches and staff. So, uh, you know, just getting to see – He's more than more than a more than just a football player, but he's doing a lot for the USC team on on the football field, including special teams. He's a big part of that as well. So doing a little bit of everything, cooking, cooking it up on the field. Shotgun, he's cooking on the field. Was that a stock? Was that official stock? Or are we just jumping back? You go ahead. You you got another one. I know. Okay, okay, okay. 
I, I, I'm going to combine two kind of here because it's kind of <clears throat> Braylon Shelby and big man touchdown because these two work tandem together with Braylon Shelby getting his first sack of his USC career, possibly one of many this year or, uh, you know, several. He's got that length, got that body type. It's just very impressive. So congrats to him. But also springing Stanley Tawafu, the Tongan terror for his defensive touchdown there in the fourth quarter, just a great moment. And then I think Lincoln Riley called it the, you know, the biggest play of the game. You love to see a big man touchdown shotgun. You love to see it. So <laughs> getting a little love for Stanley T, you know, sort of a under under appreciated member of this defensive line. I know, you know, when they brought in all those reinforcements of bear Alexander and Jake Sullivan and Keon bars, you know, you, you felt that, you know, guys like Tyrone Tillani and Stanley T were going to get kind of pushed to the side. But Stanley has just been consistent and earning reps and, you know, working with the first team. You know, he's very undersized, but he can be a dog. You know, he doesn't have the 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 size, but he's got that strength. His, his, his strength was legendary as a high school kind of linebacker guy when he committed to USC. So, you know, just shout out to Stanley for, you know, sticking around and still carving out playing time and just being uh, a player that, you know, Sean Nua has to give minutes to because he's performing in practice. So props to him to be able to get that touchdown and just the whole team, you know, kind of celebrating together. I felt like the whole entire defense came out to, to stun on the camera uh, for USC with Stanley. And then the, the no fun ref came and uh, broke it up real quick, but yeah, so Braylon <laughs> Shelby and a big man touchdown for uh Stanley T gets get some stock ups for me because you when you get a big man touchdown Chris you know from you know a great quote from one of our favorite movies the replacements you get a big man touchdown you get a big man spike and you get a big man dance in the end zone you're putting it nicely because I believe the actual quote is I love to see a fat guy score because then you get a fat guy <laughs> spike and then you get a fat guy dance I'm no by no means calling Stanley T fat but uh yeah that's that's the we're we're cleaning it up for uh, radio here <laughs> Uh, no, but the, John Madden, RIP. Yeah, unfortunate there. But uh, you know, great movie as well. Uh, we, we're a big fan of The Replacement. So much, so so many quotable lines from that movie. Um, but yeah, Stanley T is is actually was the first interior lineman off the you know the first reserve interior lineman into the game on Saturday. So that tells you, yeah, yeah we did think that he was going to get pushed down the you know the totem pole kind of. But no, he's been there. Now they've used Jack Sullivan both inside and outside. So, you know, he's a guy that could potentially play there as well. Tyrone Tolini is still injured, uh, did not play in this game, did not dress in this game. But Stanley just keeps making plays. And, he, you know, I, I thought he had some nice pass rush uh, attempts in this game as well, really clogged up the middle. So if he can make plays, that makes USC even more dangerous because, you know, Bear, Keon Bars, you expect them to, to be guys to do it. So good to see that. I mean, overall, the entire pass rush was just much better. Um, I didn't write that one down, but it's true. I mean, the fact they had five sacks, it was, and they, they had five sacks, and they were also in uh, Brendan Lewis's face a lot. You know, like I said, Bear Alexander didn't have that stat. Anthony Lucas didn't have that stat, but he was coming off the edge with some fire as well. I thought Corey Foreman, when he got in there in the fourth quarter, had some nice pass rushes. Just it's just that much. He's he's it always seems like he's just that little hair away from getting there. Um, but you know, the, I thought the pass rush was much more consistent. And like I talked about earlier, it was a much more um efficient pass rush in the fact that they pushed the pocket rather than you know, then you know, having guys out of their lane and then Brendan Lewis could step up and run like Cordero did. Uh, that was one of the things Lincoln Riley said. He said the defensive front got a lot of push again, but it was more controlled 
So they had a lot of middle push. So obviously that always helps too. Um, on my stock up, I had reserve linebackers. Now, Chris, I don't remember if you remember this. Um, or I don't know if you remember this from last week. I had starting linebackers on my stock down. Now this week you lose two guys that could be your starters before the game. You lose Tackett Curtis, who did start, started both the last two weeks to a targeting call early in the game. Rajon Davis and Shane Lee, and you know both of them were kind of asked about it, like, hey, does it kind of ease you up a little bit to know, like, it's us. We're the guys that's going to be. There's no one coming to sub in for me type of thing. And both of them kind of said, yeah, that kind of you know uh, relieves things for you a little bit and takes that burden off your mind to, hey, I'm going to get pulled if I make one mistake. But I thought both of those guys were outstanding in this game. Rajon Davis, I feel like we've said this a lot, that every time he's in there, he makes plays. Um, now, I don't, I don't know the calls. I don't know if there's something that he's not doing to fulfill an assignment on the defense exactly, and that's why he hasn't played in the past. I don't know if that's the case. But every time he's in there, he makes plays. It seems like I would give him more opportunities to make those plays. And then also Shane Lee, kind of been the forgotten guy. Like, oh, Mason Cobb's come in. Oh, Tacky Curtis, he's his beast as a freshman. Uh, and, you know, Eric Gentry is back healthy. Shane Lee's not going to play at all. No, Shane Lee was out there, and he made play after play after play. He was great in coverage. He was great in you know in the pass rush, attacking the quarterback. And I know it's Nevada versus a Utah, or you know uh, you know a more prolific offense, but he was outstanding in this game. So I think he's earned extra times too. So the linebacker group, if you feel like you guys are taking wrong angles early in a game, like they were against San Jose State, or you're not filling your gap. I'd be quick to be like, all right, we're getting somebody else in. You're getting rotated out because you – so I feel like there's a lot more pressure on that position now because of the way those guys played in this game. And again, Nevada, so take it a little bit with a grain of salt, but that would tell me, hey, I got to give that guy another opportunity at least. You know, I got to give Rajon another opportunity against Stanford and see what he does. Now, if he makes a mistake then, maybe it, then you bench him or whatever, but no, I got to give him a chance because he made plays on Saturday, and that's what should matter the most. So I had both the reserve linebackers I thought played really well in this one, so I had them on stock up. For sure. And just to go back for what you said, I did have on my stock up pressure equaling sacks. They were able to turn that pressure into sacks and get the quarterback down. But you already broke that down beautifully, but just wanted to say we were on the same wavelength there. And, yeah, I also had Rajon Davis and Shane Lee on my stock ups because, yeah, Shane Lee, you know, I think people were – kind of really, really down on him. Oh, we got Mason Cobb. We got Eric Gentry coming back and Shane's the forgotten man, but he's still a team captain. And he went out there and played like he has something to prove. Like, hey, this is my opportunity. I'm going to make the most of it. And he did. You know, I think he had 10 tackles. He also had a huge sack in that game. He was flying all over the place and making play after play. Again, it is Nevada. We'll see what, you know, that looks like down the line. But Shane Lee showing, you know, that he can still be an impactful player for this defense and help out, especially, you know, we don't know how long those injuries will last. So Shane Lee might be in there a lot more often um, in the next couple of weeks. And then Rayshon Davis as well. Obviously you touched on it, but just a guy who just seems to always flash when he gets in maybe it's, he makes a mistake, but he, but what you can say is that he will show up on tape. He will pop on tape and that's what he did. And just, you know, go out there get his first career start. A guy who the, the pair style, and fans have been clamoring for more of Rajon Davis. And just to see, you know, Tack Curtis and Rajon Davis, which I kind of said before the game is probably USC's most most athletic inside linebacker combo. Two guys that were borderline defensive backs in their high school careers. Rajon Davis, you know, who could play safety, play out there in quarterback. And then Tack Curtis, who was a quarterback 
a running quarterback and then also kind of a hybrid safety role and just watch him run. These guys are probably maybe the fastest linebackers on the team. I I would venture to say, you know, Garrison Madden, no, no, no disrespect. We'll see how that plays out. But yeah. So Rajon Davis and and make sure you go check out our interview with Rajon on Mm -hmm. newspeople.com. We did a interview with him, tunnel vision with Connor and Ryan, Uh, shout out to house of victory for, you know, making that partnership happen. So go out and check out that exclusive interview, which is up on our YouTube channel and or uscfootball.com. So Rajon Davis, both of those guys. And then my last stock kind of jumping into something new, which is Dorian Singer, ridiculous catch, that ridiculous catch, you know, early in the first quarter. You know, we, we've talked a lot about him on the offseason, about how he can make catches like that. You know, there's a lot of guys who can make catches like that. You know, Jacoby Lane has also got some uh, pogo stick grabs. But Dorian Singer just going out there and making an amazing one-handed play Lincoln Riley said you know he was yelling at Caleb to throw it away throw it away and he doesn't like it when he doesn't listen to him but that was one of those plays where he glad he he, he was glad he did not listen to him and, and and kudos for uh you know Caleb making a great throw and then Dorian making a better catch yeah we've heard about Dorian Singer's catch radius that's one of the things that's been mentioned a lot of times but because we don't get to watch practice and because they didn't really put many highlights out this year of fall camp or anything we haven't really seen it um, outside of against USC last year. So that was kind of the first real eye-opener of, you know, just going and left-handed making the catch. You know, a lot of times, most receivers, it's the right hand is your most your dominant hand, so you catch more one-handed things there. But left-handed, I noticed that as well. So definitely stood out. Uh, back to Shane Lee, I wanted to point out that I, I think it's really impressive the mentality it takes to be a captain, to be a guy that's a starter the entire season last year, to get banged up and not perform the way you want to, I'm assuming. Um, And then you have guys that come in and are going to be starting in front of you. You get banged up in camp too. Just like all these things could easily snowball and put someone in in the wrong frame of mind to where they're not ready to step up when something like what happened on Saturday takes place. Like he probably knew, was going to, I mean, he was already, he was, he was rotating in, um, in the, he started, I think the fourth drive of the game he rotated in. So he was going to get some playing time in this game, but he obviously didn't know that he was going to go in and suddenly be, you know, out there the entire game. Like even him and Rajon, I think the last couple drives, they rotated in with Chris Thompson as well. But otherwise, like when all the rest of the subs were in, Rajon or Shane Lee was still in there. So, you know, he didn't know that he was going to be playing basically, you know, three and a half quarters, but he had the mentality to go in and he talked, you know, everyone you talk to about him is like, he's, he's such a great leader. He does everything right. All those. And that's what it makes him a special person for this team. He wanted to come in and help change the culture. And I think he's been, uh, you, you know, so important with that. We talked about it a lot last year, but I think it's still important to see someone who gets passed up how do you react to it? Do you become a locker room cancer? I've seen that a lot in my playing time, you know, uh, in you know, covering these sports, whereas it's the guy who's not getting the playing time is the one that, especially if they were getting it and it gets taken away, uh, things can go, you know, can go sour real quick in that regard. Shane Lee has not been that at all. So I didn't want to point out that. Dorian Singer catch was terrific. I had a, a couple of short ones. Zion Branch stock up. He took over for Christian Roland Wallace. In the three-two-six look that they used last week, the three-two-six dime, where he's kind of playing like a faux linebacker spot. Um, so when Christian Wallace was suspended in the first half, he took over that spot. So getting more opportunities there in a specific package that tells you the coaches give me a little confidence. And that package in particular 
maybe that's a spot for Rajon Davis, whether he's starting as a linebacker or getting a lot of playing time or not, because they're using their linebackers. When you only have three down linemen, one of those linebackers is probably coming uh, on each play. You're not usually dropping eight a lot uh, out of that look. You can, but uh, with the way they've used it, they're bringing one or two linebackers or one linebacker and that that hybrid linebacker safety that they're using there uh, with Christian Rilla Wallace or Zion Branch. So I think that's a great spot for Rajon Davis because one, he can cover if you needed to. And also, you know, if you're blitzing linebackers, he's a great guy to be able to do that too. You saw that several times this game. He does a really good job. And that's his modern day background where he was a rush end, you know, coming off the edge, uh, his ability to get skinny, the ability to cut, cut the corner, all those type things. So again, really impressed with them. But Zion Branch was on my stock up. And the last one I had, Chris, I believe you're out. I'm out. All right, the last one I had was Pac-12 Conference. How about the Pac-12 Conference? Undefeated right now. The, uh, the first time it's happened in, like, what, like 25 years, 20 years or something that a conference has gone undefeated through week one. And, you know, the, the conference is 12-0 and in non-conference games. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It just seems so ironic that this is the year of the Pac-12 um, that everyone wants to watch the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, no one wanted to pay the Pac-12 to to for a TV deal to watch them. If if you're gonna go out, go out with a bang shotgun. Sure. When this podcast ends, we'll burn it all down on the way out. We'll we'll do it big. So if you're gonna go, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a statement on your way out, make a statement. So yeah, shout out to the Pac-12 final season before it uh becomes uh th- dust uh performing and maybe it should be a fun year. Well, maybe. Yeah, great start. A lot of really talented quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year, so it should be fun. It should be one it should be one final fun go go out for the for the conference. Well, I just mean it maybe does. There are there are some ways out for the Pac-12 conference to potentially still keep their autonomous five or whatever it is, uh status and whatnot if they raid some other conferences or something. I we'll see how that. I mean, the fact that we haven't really mentioned it on any, I don't think any of the podcasts or whatnot, but Stanford and Cal going to the ACC, that's official now. That's going to be happening because obviously everyone wants to see Cal Berkeley versus Boston College. I mean, that's a big matchup right there, Chris. You got to see that. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. You're going to see uh, North Carolina State versus Stanford. You know, big, oh, baby, big rivalry, big ACC rivalry there. Uh, but so, so I also had so I had stock up for the Pac-12 conference. Off to a great start, you know. I think Colorado showed a lot. Um, you know, Shooter Sanders looked a lot better than I anticipated. Some other things looked better. There's still a lot of concerns for Colorado with depth, but uh, you know, Washington looked really good. I thought Stanford looked a lot better than I anticipated uh, with their you know their opener against Hawaii. The little bit I saw that Cal going and putting up a 50 burger. So a lot of positives there. Uh, the Oregon Duck having to do what was it like? 500 something pushups because Oregon scored 81 points in that game against Portland state. So the PAC 12 looked really good in all those uh, regards, but I have stocked down to move over that side PAC 12 administration. Also the broadcasting of USC games, because they are done. USC is off the PAC 12 network. If I, if I have looked at the schedule correctly, so USC will not be on the PAC 12 network again for any of their football games. But the Pac-12 administration with the whole Christian Roland Wallace thing, Lincoln Riley was 
definitely not happy about it. I thought that was interesting. Like he was like, all right, we won 66, 14. I'm coming in here and I want to drop some, uh, some anger on the PAC 12 network to, before we even get into this game. So he like had a statement ready, took a couple questions and then went into, they brought the players in and was like, all right, now we'll talk about the game after, you know, three or four minutes of talking about Christian Rolla Wallace and how upset he was at that whole situation. Uh, but you know, the, the first great play by Caleb Williams in the game, you can't really see on the, 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 um, the play as it's happening on the broadcast. They did show a replay, which showed it all, but poor camera work there. So the Pac-12 definitely still has some stock downs, even though they're off to an undefeated start. Uh, USC fans rejoice. You are free of the Pac-12 network for all and eternity. You can end your Fubo free trial. Right. They're just like clicking that cancel button as we speak. (laughs) So, yeah, you're free. Move on. You can be able to watch. You should be. Maybe you have Spectrum on your ESPN, so that's another Ooh. bag of worms. But yeah, that uh, don't don't worry about that. Uh, don't worry about the Pac-12 network. That you can worry about it, other things, but not the Pac-12 network. You're you're done. My first stock down. I just want to get it out of the way now. Is online depth. Obviously, USC did suffer a big injury or big potential injury in Gino Quinones. You know, in the first half there, a Bad looking, it looked like a knee injury. You know, he could not put any weight on his leg. Lincoln Riley still has not given a definitive update, you know, just that they're hopeful that, you know, it's not going to be really, really bad, but we'll, we'll know more hopefully later this week. But that that is a big blow just because USC's offensive line wasn't as deep going to the season. You know, you've gotten a little a little better with, you know, having a lot of Noah you know, emerge and kind of taking reps. But Gino Quinones was a borderline guy who could start for you. He could start a game and he could play at, a, at at the guard spot. And he was more or less your backup center for the most part. I think he was, you know, at least one or two options if they wanted to really wanted to turn to the, the preferred walk-on, Killing O'Connor, or, you know, if they were really going to throw Jonah Monheim out there and switch that whole lineup. But I think Gino would have been at least that first option that they went to at the center position. So it's a double loss for them in terms of a center backup, which we know is incredibly vital for this team with, with Justin Tietich being kind of the only true center on this roster. And then just losing that guard depth is, is massive and a guy who has experience. So, you know, you're hoping for the best for Gino. You're hoping it's, he'll be able to come back uh, this season, but we don't know. It did not look good initially, just not being able to put weight on that knee. So we'll get more information later, but that, that is a, a tough, tough pill for the the o-line to swallow yeah especially it happens on a touchdown too so you want to be celebrating and then people look back and it's like what what happened here you see the replay just seemed like the knee buckled um so that's never a good sign you know linemen wear those big knee braces they're not supposed to buckle still um but those are not foolproof of course lincoln riley said on trojan life said hopefully gina will be available for us here at some point I mean, he was asked about the backup center thing. He said, but if not, I think we've got enough good options ready to go as far as backup center. He was, he was happy with Killian O'Connor's play in the game. He got some uh, run in this game. Uh, but, yeah, Gino was definitely the number two there. And that's definitely concerning because Justin Dietrich has missed time in the past. You know, he's gotten rolled up in different things and, and had some injuries. So, you, you know, it's always a concern in the middle of a line, just someone gets rolled up on type of thing. So, it's very unfortunate. It did not look good. We don't have an official update yet as of the, our recording, but didn't look good. And 
unfortunately, I would I would venture to say it's going to be something that keeps them out for a long time rather than a short time. So, you know, hopefully that we're wrong on that. But, you know, now where does USC turn? They got to get Emmanuel Pregnon taking that next step forward, you know, taking a big jump forward. And Gino Quinones, you said he could be a starter. He started week one. So it's not like, you know, he started last year when they needed someone to step in a couple times. So now I think it's on Alani Noah, like, all right, we need you to take another big step forward as well as Emmanuel Pregnon. Like those two guys, all right, we need you guys to, you know, hurry up. Hurry up rather than, you know, get developed slowly as the season progresses. Like, no, take that big step now and you can plateau for a little bit and then get better as the season goes on um, because you're going to be asked to do a lot. So, and that also puts a little pressure on who's the next option. Can Andres DeWork be it? He's another guy that's played with the backups at played some guard, played, uh, and Cooper Lovelace actually played some guard in this game as well, played guard and tackle after playing just tackle in the opener. So one of those guys, like, hey, you're, you're a you know you're a junior, you're a fourth year, fifth year guy. Like, we need you to take a step forward. We need you to be someone that if we have someone else go down, you can step in, and we're not going to fall off a cliff at this position. So you know, you, you st- I if you're Josh Henson, if I'm Josh Henson, I'm challenging. You know, those guys in particular, those veteran guys that I haven't seen much time, like this is your opportunity to be in the mix. So, you know, take a take, be doing extra reps. Every film session you can be like, you need to be doing every extra step you can along the way. I have stock down for Anthony Lucas. That one might seem a little surprising. I thought he was good coming off the edge. He did not play in the first quarter. Now, I don't know if there's a reason behind that. I don't know if they were waiting till drive five that they wanted to get him in there. But he was conspicuously uh, or inconspicuously out of the lineup for the first quarter after being a starter. uh, I believe he was a starter last week um, outside. So, you know, he started last week over Jamil Muhammad. Muhammad's in there. So you're like, okay, Muhammad played better or whatever, worked harder in the week and earned the start. But then the third drive comes along and it's Romello Height actually in there. So Romello Height moved up a little bit. Uh, so it was, you know, that he was not in there until late in the, later into the second quarter. So I thought that was very interesting. I thought when he got in there, he made some plays and looked good coming off the edge. I felt like he was just inches away. I thought he was about to get a sack. I think I tweeted that at some point, like the third quarter. I was like, oh, he's about to get one. Didn't happen, but I thought he, his pass rush was really good. He was in the mix on that Shane Lee sack as well, along with Jack Sullivan. So he was right there on a couple of them. My next one is linebacker health. I know we talked about the linebackers and the, the backups ping playing really well with Shane Lee and Rajon Davis. But, you know, just it is worrisome when you have your top two guys, two guys that were in our top 10 of most important shotgun with Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry, guys you need to be healthy down the line as we move into the the tougher part of that back end of that schedule against the Utahs and the Washingtons and the Oregons and the Notre Dames. Those are the guys you need on the field. Now your backups will get better. They'll get more experience as we move th- through, but those are guys you definitely want to have healthy for the season. So it was, you know, interesting to see that Mason Cobb was hurt. We've heard some things about it, but we'll get more clarification on that moving forward. But that is something just to watch. And, you know, if you you're without those guys both of those guys for an extended period of time, you, you're feeling kind of uneasy about obviously the first half of the schedule is, is a lot easier than the back half, but and it's a good chance for some of these young guys to get more experience. But again, you, those are guys you're going to need if you're going to make a playoff push, especially with this defense that needs 
a much better effort than last season. So and those two guys are critical of that. So those are going to have to be two to watch as you move forward with their health. Yeah, and, and Lincoln Riley was asked after the game about him. He said he doesn't feel like they're far away from playing. Now, he said similar things in the past, like with Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, that whole stretch for those guys, Eric Gentry as well. They're not far away from playing, and it was three or four weeks before they were available. So, um, you know, what does that mean for Eric Gentry and Mace Cobb? I don't know exactly. But the positive news is if, if they're not available this week, they at least do get a bye week um, early in the season to help hit, heal up. So if they can find a way to get through this week against Stanford without them, that's three weeks off basically, You know, almost four full weeks off uh, for them before they would play. I think it's Arizona State is the next game after the bye. Can't remember off the top of my head here, but uh, so I think that's a positive thing for USC. You know, having that early buy because they're playing the week zero game, and then they have the buy at the very end. Um, my final stock down. I didn't have a bunch because you know, when you win sixty six fourteen, there's not a lot to, of negatives to take away from it. But mine's actually stocked down Nevada for not throwing the ball to JJ three sooner. John Jackson III mm-hmm. finishes with like seventy something yards receiving, and like it all came in the fourth quarter, like. This guy wants to show out in front of his friends and family and everyone. Like, I would have put him in there way sooner, been throwing the ball his way a lot sooner, too. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. He finished, or excuse me, three catches for 52 yards, including a 33 yard catch. So, you know, I didn't know why Nevada wasn't, you know, showcasing JJ3 sooner. I had one of my stocks, I stocked down on my pen depth. You know, I lost my red pen. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm, that was my good, that was a good pen. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little, uh, traumatized for it. I haven't gotten, uh, over it. I do have a backup red pen. I'm showing you right now, but I'm always just going to be thinking bit. about that one on the sideline. Yeah. Visual bit. I'm always going to be thinking about that one. So stock down on my pen depth. Uh, that's, that's a big loss, uh, for me, for me and the ghost notes, uh, shotgun. Yeah, I was a little concerned when you tweeted uh, out that you were looking for it, if anyone's seen it. But uh, a little concerned have, there that Ghost Notes was not going to uh, go off. We have, you know, multiple starters that have played as our backups in the in the pen in the pen room. So yeah, we, we were good loss losing a a key starter in red in red pen. All right, Chris. Well, uh, I'm glad you have a backup now. You got someone that's in reserve. You're able to bring him on the, you know, on the trip this week. You know, they weren't on the travel roster last week, but now they're, you know, they're they're on the bus. So it should be good. Yeah, let's let's give stock up to Purple Pen, who really came in in that fourth quarter and held it down with crisp note taking. So shout out to Purple Pen. <laughs> stock up. Late stock up for Purple Pen. Uh stock up for a couple of uh walk-ons and uh, freshmen getting their first opportunities as well. So good to see those. Those were always fun for me. Josiah Zamora got his first opportunity. Dejon Bitten got his first career sack. Uh, you know, Devin Tompkins got in there after he wasn't in there last week. So those guys getting those opportunities, that's always fun to see in a blowout. Um, and then, you know, Chris, I, I got to say I'm thankful uh, that Big Boy was not there from outcast his son cross Patton was playing because then I would have had a major stock down on me not being in attendance. Um, right. if, if big boy was there as a big outcast fan, but yeah, cross Patton got some run at, at the end, the Oregon transfer coming over, you know, another one of those PAC 12 transfers that, that Nevada had didn't really matter in this game for USC. They, they took care of business. Did not really matter. Is that all your stocks? Stock That's down? all my stocks. Do you have any other stock downs? 
I'm good, Shotgun. I'm good. All right. So, Chris, since I'm hosting this, I'm going to force you into a Heard It on the Sidelines because your ghost notes are so good. So I want anyone that's a casual listener here that is not a member of the P, you have to be a subscriber to be able to read the, the game day ghost notes. So I need one of your game day ghost no- notes that you that stood out to you. I heard it on the sidelines. That's going to entice our, our our casuals to to sign up and become VIP. You're you know you're putting a lot on me because put him on the spot uh, too. Not even on our rundown. Yeah, yeah. they're not on the rundown. Just a, a late a, a change. I'm trying to think because there wasn't like usually I have like like one that is like this is the the thing I heard that I was like this is this is awesome. It probably was. I don't always do this, but I, I kind of go to the Nevada or the opposing sideline once in a while. There's more space over there, mm-hmm. and they don't hassle you as much as opposed to the the you know you got the song girls, you have Traveler that jams you up a lot of times trying to get trying to get across the the bench. So I just went over to the Nevada side, and there was just this uh, this guy heckling a Nevada cheerleader, which I found very funny. Just like it was after the Brendan Rice touchdown, and he was like shouting at the Nevada cheer like. Did you see that? Did you see that? And then the Nevada cheerleader was like, "Yeah, I did see that. What I haven't seen is you sit sit down." So they were just <laughs> had this whole thing back and forth. And then the other thing I heard on that sideline was uh the the guards that are you know patrolling the sideline. He was asking his buddy if they get a break because he wanted to go to the other USC sideline because he wanted to see Bronny James because Bronny was on the other side. They brought the basketball <laughs> team, so he was like, "I gotta see Bronny, man. I gotta see Bronny." So. You know, just little things like that uh, that are that are fun to get on the sideline, uh, and just a little cu- little extra color to the game. You know, and that's why you guys need to be subscribed to the Peristyle so you can get the the game day ghost notes. So this won't be something new that you're hearing. A great feature that Chris does. It's always one one of my favorite. I have to read it after every game to check it out and see what he saw. I, th- I try to throw mine observations and uh sound in when i'm around him as well i usually get, pass along notes and stuff so that's definitely one you gotta check out if you haven't checked it out before chris let's don't let move. him fool you though don't let him fool you though he has to read it he's the managing editor he <laughs> he would have to read it if, if he didn't so don't let don't let him act like he's he's doing it out of the because of the good the, he loves the piece he has to he's contractually obligated to edit it I don't even uh, – no one's seen my contract, so you don't know what's contractually obligated here. All right, Chris, let's move forward. We're going to go week two opponents, Stanford. They're coming off a 37-24 to win over Hawaii. I don't know if you got to see any of the game. It was late Friday night, I believe it was. Um, so I caught a little bit of it. I watched it the first half, and then I'm on the East Coast at the time, and I was like, you know what, I'm calling it quits for the night, and I'm actually not going to stay up for the second half um, because I'd seen what I needed to see. Ben Urasek, the or uh, Urasek, I believe is how it's pronounced, um, from Bakersfield, tight end, is a dude. You know, it's it's he fits in line with what they have had in the past as far as that that lineage of tight ends they've had over the last 15, 20 years. So he's the next guy in that line. They have some other players. You know, they don't have the depth. They don't have the offensive line. I don't think. You know, I think that's a concern. Which is normally that was something. But the biggest takeaway for me was it's a lot different looking offense. You know, it's a spread offense. It's more cla- – it's not the classic offense that they were running with David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh, the 1970s, 80s offense with some wrinkles and different things. This is a new age offense. It spread it spread you out, you know, four, four wide receivers at times. 
They're going to move Urasek around, uh, Urasek around to different spots. They also have one of our favorites, John Humphreys, big wide wide receiver, and that's always been something that's troubled USC against Stanford is the big wide receiver going up for the 50-50 ball. They got John Humphreys. They got Urasek that can do that as well. Um, you know, thinking back to like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who torched the, the Trojans at times, thinking back to the – the walk-on Bryson Tremaine, I think it was, former walk-on that torched USC in the in the Coliseum a few years back. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then they got David Bailey, who's a monster. I mean, this is a guy that last year it was second game of his career. And we go, okay, see the signs. You know, it's a guy that USC was very high on, tried to get, couldn't convince him to come to USC out of modern day. And, you know, he was able to make an immediate impact on a very bad team last year. And now maybe he's got a little bit more help. Uh, you know, I didn't watch a ton of the defense and pay too much attention because I was just watching him. But he had three sacks in the game, I think four tackles for loss. You know, he was a monster uh, for them. So, you know, I think they're, they're he's going to give USC's tackles a big test. And we'll see. Where's John, Jonah Monheim at as a left tackle? We'll see where's Michael Tarquin at. You know, they are those guys, you know, comfortable on the edges against an elite pass rusher. I think it'll be a really good test to find out for USC and, you know, trying to keep Caleb Williams safe. I don't know what, what you saw from them or how much you got to see the game, but what kind of stands out to you about Stanford, Chris? I didn't get to see much because I was actually covering a Friday Night Lights game, so I didn't get to see – much of that and then i like to get my my rest before you know what is always a long tiring but fun day of saturday college football but yeah the number one thing for me is just david bailey i mean he just is the the key for usc in terms of shutting him down protect caleb williams like you said this is going to be a a good first test against an elite defender elite pass rusher guy that can take over the game now i know it was hawaii but that doesn't really stop it for me with you know with him. I think David Bailey is a beast no matter who he's going to play. He's that kind of talented player, and we saw that at the high school level. That's why USC wanted him so bad. So, you know, yeah, just figuring out a plan where they can just neutralize David Bailey, which I know is a, a lot harder to, to, to put into action than actually draw it up. So David Bailey's got to be a guy they have to take out of the game. And, you know, I'm not – if you're a USC fan, I th- think you're intimidated by – a lot of other defenders on Stanford side of the ball, but David Bailey should put a little bit of fear in your heart and figure out how to slow him down. They do, you know, I, I found it funny in my my quick look research that Stanford actually has the number one rushing defense in the country because they held Hawaii to negative five yards on 16 carries for the Rainbow Warriors. So that is, so technically, yes, they're going to face the number one rushing defense in the country. Hawaii and USC's running game are not, the same. So USC is going to have, I think, a lot of success on the ground. And Hawaii was able to throw all over the field on Stanford. And that's a very tasty matchup for the skill players on USC and Caleb Williams. So I think you Stanford's not going to be able to stop them for the most part. Again, if you take care of David Bailey, get that handle. I think USC is going to be able to move the ball with ease. And yes, I'm excited to see how USC handles a big tight end. We haven't seen them you know, had to go really up against a a tight end that an offense was using as a a main weapon for uh, against San Jose State and Nevada. So uh, Ben Urasek is going to be the focal point for this for the spread offense and Ashton Daniels, the quarterback. So we're going to see what Lincoln, uh, Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley cook up to slow down a tight end. So it'll be a good primer for down the road 
for other teams with tight ends. And shotgun, that is John. That's a bad white boy, Humphreys. You have to put some respect on his name. <laughs> you have to put some respect on his name. That is true. That was said during one of the filming of one of the videos, uh, I think at a USC camp. Lee camp. Elite camp. Elite camp. That's right. Um, so David Bailey's four tackles for loss are second in the nation. His three sacks are first in the nation, tied with Latu Latu from UCLA, who got uh, as a quarterback a bunch. Uh, those guys might be battling for the sack crown of the Pac-12 all season. Uh, but that's also part of the reason why their rush defense is so good because of sack yardage. They had six sacks total. That all comes out of the rushing yards. So USC should be able to score points, but the big question here is going to be, and I don't think it'll be, I don't think they should scare USC, but the big question will be, what do they look like against tight end? How do they make adjustments? So I'm actually going to pull one of our, our questions that we had. El Chicano wanted to know, how do you expect Grinch to match up with Stanford's talented tight end? Same strategy as last year with Max Jalen or put a bigger safety on him. You want to take a, take a first stab at that, Chris? I mean, honestly, I feel like they're going to do the same thing. And that's just what my feeling is. I There were a couple times I watched, maybe you saw it as well, Shotgun, but they had the big tight end for Nevada. I'm forgetting his uh, uh, – Latu. Uh, his it's Latu's brother. Latu. Latu. Okay, the six foot seven tight end. I, you know, I thought he would be a bigger factor in this one, but there were a couple times where Max Williams was actually lined up on him. So I saw that out of the corner of my camera. I know Shotgun probably have a – more in depth if he saw that or, or what happened on those plays. So remember, I'm just watching through a, a tiny window, but there were a couple of times where they've matched up with each other. So I'm actually expecting the same kind of energy when it comes to, to guarding Ben Urasek. Yeah. So there were times when Max Williams was, was lined up, but I think the biggest difference this year is if they beat you with that, you have confidence that, okay, we'll put in Bryson Shaw. You know, he's a bigger guy. Maybe he can defend the tight end a little bit better. Or we can mix it up. We can use the linebackers in different ways. You can use Zion Branch as a bigger bot. Like, because there's more depth this year, you have more options of being able to do different things. Now, will they? That That is a little still a question. But you also, I thought in this game, and I didn't really focus too much on it yet because I, you know, I haven't fully finished my, my charting and everything, but there were times when, there were just different bodies on Latu. You know, there were cornerback out there. I think uh, Jacoby Covington was guarding him one play. Um, you know, so you have different – there's different ways that they could kind of attack this this year because you have more depth and because you can rotate different people in. So you can use different people in different ways. And I saw a couple of different times where they were, they were lined up. You know, it wasn't just Max Williams. And it's like, all right, you got man coverage. You're stuck with him all night type of thing, you know, it did, did seem like they were doing some different things. That's something I'll keep a, an eye on. Um, and as we go through the week, maybe I'll tweet out some some different clips or something uh, when I go back and fully rewatch the game after finishing all my player participation charts. But, yeah, I, I think it's something that they just have more options. So it's something that would be really fun to watch to kind of get an idea of, all right, what is Alex Grinch going to do when they face Brant Cuthie uh, from – Utah, or, you know, what's he going to do when they face someone else down the line? You know, when you face, you know, the big bodies that some of these other teams have and with quarterbacks that can get the ball to him probably a little bit better than Ash Daniels, you know, is a, a, I think he's a true freshman or redshirt freshman. He's um, a sophomore. I thought he's a true sophomore. He okay, played true. in 10 games last year. Oh, I didn't realize he played that much. Okay. So, you know, he didn't play against USC in the, in the early in the season, but I, um, I think their quarterback got hurt if I remember now. But, you know, a guy that's young, 
made some mistakes in the little bit of the Hawaii game that I saw, just kind of throwing it up. Didn't wasn't didn't have to pay for them too much. Can USC make them pay? That'll be interesting and see how kind of USC does that. So those will be the kind of the the intriguing storylines from this. And we'll make a score prediction later, but you know, that, I think that's kind of the intriguing storylines is uh, on the defensive side is you want to see them get pass rush. You want to do all those things that they showed improvement on from last week. But then how do you defend the tight end? Do you do it the same way? Do you mix it up? Do you try a different body, but use the same scheme? Do you, you know, those are all, all types of things that I'll be kind of keeping an eye on as I'm watching uh, this one. Chris, let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back, finish off our questions, go in and take it, leave it. Get our score prediction and get get the heck out of here. You know, get get ready for uh, another week of action for USC and you know get you rested up for interviews and stuff this week. Let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back from the break. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Helium Boys podcast, a non-serious, serious, a serious, non-serious, somewhere in there. We're in the, we're in the no, middle. It's in there. Yeah, we're, we're, some, in the middle. It we're somewhere there. in the middle. Every once in a while we're serious. We try not to be too much, but we're back. I'm going to answer some of your guys' questions. Didn't get a ton of questions this week, but thank you guys so much for sending them every week. You know, we put out a tweet kind of, but you can also always email us questions. You can email podcast at USC uh, football.com and, you know, put it in that you want it for the healing boys, different things like that. You can always DM us as well. Just make sure that you reference which podcast is for, because, you know, Chris is on so many, he's such a popular guy these days. He's running the, the two-star composite podcast. You know, he has to be on tunnel vision every once in a while. He's on the Peristyle podcast every once in a while. He's a popular man. He's got, we, we work him hard here at USC football.com. So make sure you put in this for healing boys when you're sending it in. Our first question, Chris, uh, did we have for, coming after the break? Grant Callie want to know, who does Braylon Shelby and Elijah Hughes remind you of? And what future impact do you, you think they will have from what you've seen so far? I'm really bad at comparisons, and I'm yeah. racking my brain trying to think of someone, but I can't really give you that because is it? Do you mean like USC players, or is it like a pro? I, it's very hard for me to kind of think of a, a comparison on the spot. This is why Gerard hates when I ask him to compare somebody, <laughs> and now I got a dose of it myself. It, it's very hard to throw out. But in terms of future impact, you know, Elijah Hughes has already shown that he can be a disrupted player for this team, and I think he's going to continue to carve out rotation time, being there, guy who can play in the interior. We know he can rush off the edge. But it seems like he's very comfortable for a true freshman playing in the trenches. And obviously, that's a tough spot to jump in. So I think the ceiling is very high for Elijah Hughes. I would not bank on a red shirt for him. I think he's going to be an important part 
of the defensive line and that rotation. And Braylon Shelby, we've just seen a, a taste of what he's able to do with that body. You know, Shotgun, you've seen him up close. And anybody that sees him up close, you come away thinking like, damn, that guy looks like a dude. He, he already looks like an NFL guy already. He's just super big, super long in that length, and he can bend. And it's just impressive to watch him come off the edge. Again, we only got a taste of what he can do. I think he's going to be a guy who obviously has to get more confidence at the as a true freshman. We're you know rushing the passer. There's going to, he's going to be go up against better offensive linemen, better tackles as the the season moves on. But if he can start building some confidence, he's going to be able to be a guy who can bring in and just wreak havoc off the edge. They have a really good rush in room, you know, between Jamil Muhammad, who just had, who had another great game on Saturday. You know, Romello Height, you know, he's still, you know, he's not the starter we thought he was going to be, but he's he's being a guy who can come in and play in the rotation and give you some minutes. And then obviously Anthony Lucas is the talented guy, but for Braylon Shelby has the potential to be better than all of those guys. Not saying this year, but just like in terms, he is a day one kind of freak athlete and it's exciting to see what his, his first season is going to look like as he continues to grow and get confidence. So interesting that you mentioned the word freak. So the one person that I thought of, and this is very high acclaim, at least in my eyes. So I, I don't think he's this person yet. Um, and this person was also about 20 pounds heavier when he played in the NFL. I don't know what he was at, but Javon Kirst, the freak, um, coming off the edge at Florida. Braylon Shelby's body type remind, reminds me of him. Javon Kirst was 6'5", 265 is what he's listed at as far as his NFL uh, Shelby's listed at 6'5", 245. And I don't know if he's quite as long. I, like, I would love to see a side-by-side to be able to compare. But, like, it, a lot of the similar attributes, so maybe, like, a little bit lesser Javon Curse because I don't want to put that on anybody because I thought Javon Curse was, like, one of the best defensive end prospects I've ever seen uh, when he played at Florida. You know, growing up watching Georgia games and play, watching Georgia-Florida, you know, he was just a – you know, always wreaked havoc um, and just such an athletic dude coming off the edge. He was kind of, he felt like he kind of changed the mold of defensive ends a little bit of being a guy, you know, whether it was someone like Reggie White, who you could put on the edge, who was a bigger guy and just could beat you in multiple different ways. Whereas he was just so, he was, had so much speed, so much length that, you know, it was just, it, it was kind of changed the game, it felt like. And then slowly the defensive ends in the NFL started looking more and more like him consistently, whereas he seemed like an anomaly when he first got there. I feel like Braylon Shelby has some of those similar attributes. Now, I, I, and that's the first person that popped to mind. And probably not the best comparison, because I, as well, I'm not great at comparisons. Uh, Elijah Hughes, I don't know a good comparison there because I don't know what he ends up looking like in two years. Like, does he stay the same weight? Do they add 20, 30 pounds on him and he becomes a true nose? I mean, he's just got that uh, relentless aptitude and attitude about him that, you know, he's just blowing guys off the ball. He's just, he stays so low. Um, But I don't know if he becomes, you know, more of a three tech or if he, if they want to try to put him at nose eventually, like, so that kind of skews what I would think of him. I I just like watching him. He's fun uh, because he's just, like you say, he wreaks havoc already. Um, And, you know, he's 
20 snaps into his career, basically 25 snaps or whatever it is. So um, he's going to be a guy that is going to be fun to watch and see if he continues to progress and just how they want to use him. I think that's going to be something interesting to watch as far as, you know, whether they want him to put more weight on or whether they want him to stay slimmer and maybe become more of a defensive end. Those type of things are going to be interesting to watch with, with his career going forward. But future impact, both of them are going to be going to be dudes for USC. And that's, What's so great about this freshman class, look at how many guys have already contributed. Now, I know it's two blowouts, two group of five teams, all that, and you get more guys in. But look at the impact guys have already made from Zachariah Branch, Deuce Robinson, uh, you know, on the offensive side, Quentin Joyner, you know, touchdowns to Lonnie Noah as an offensive lineman starting a game to these guys we're talking about on the defensive front. You know, there's just a lot of guys that are potential difference makers. Tacky Curtis, um, you know, if you want to throw Zion Branch into that, since he's tr- uh, technically a freshman, like, you know, there's a ton of talented young guys on this team uh, going forward for USC. Fun to watch. Fun to watch. Matt Rexroad said Travis Hunter had 110 snaps today. Now, I should correct this to say, according to Pro Football Focus, they had him at 145 offensive and defensive snaps. That number is absolutely insane to me, and I'll tell you why in a minute. He wanted to know how many key USC players did not have that many all of last season. So I, I didn't look up the exact stats off the top of my head, but there's a number of, of guys on this year's team that didn't have, we'll say, 200 snaps at least. You know, looking at like Anthony Lucas, looking at Barry Alexander. Like these guys didn't have 200 snaps last year as true freshmen coming in. So, and you know, Zion Branch, Zachariah, all these guys that are young guys. So Travis Hunter's number is absolutely ridiculous, but there are a number of key USC players that didn't have a ton of snaps last year. So it'll be, that's one of the uh, positive outlooks I think for this team is that I think they can continue to get better as those guys get more and more um, opportunities and more and more experience. So, you know, they've got some talented older guys that are, play key roles for them, but there's also plenty of guys that don't have a ton of experience that are just going to continue to get better as the season goes along. I think you've heard that from Lincoln Riley a few times, especially in the preseason was, I can't wait to see this, the the young guys get better as the season goes along, whereas last year it felt like they got to the end of the season and like they had plateaued, and especially because the injuries, like it wasn't like, oh, now uh, suddenly a freshman, and because the class was so small last year for their freshman class, like they, they weren't, like, okay, now these guys are guys we can put in and play more and more. So I, I think it's uh, interesting that there is that opportunity and that Lincoln Riley is very excited about that potential. Again, he didn't just play 145 snaps in the game both ways. He played 145 snaps in the Texas heat. That was a hot game. That His body, I mean, I can't imagine what it felt like the next day. They must have had to put like three IVs in him. It's just a ridiculous amount of snaps, and it, it doesn't seem something that's sustainable for a, a, a long-term season. Even though, you know, they're young, great athletes, it just seems like so much wear and tear to put on someone for a course of a season. Yeah, and obviously he's not playing linebacker or running back where he's getting hit every single play as a cornerback or wide receiver, but there is contact. There is also just the potential of injury. The more plays you you participate in the more the likelihood goes up it's just that's a given fact um but 145 snaps how ridiculous is that so i've been charting you know i do participation charts after every usc game i've been charting that's offense defense special teams 
I do total plays. That's in our Snapchat again, uh, or in our snap totals. Um, if you're a VIP uh, member, you can check out all these numbers. I'll have them as well as formation breakdowns and a lot of other stuff. Um, and hopefully I will have that out uh, for Tuesday, or a little bit after this podcast is, is published. But in my, I think I've been doing it nine years now. Since 2015 was the first year I did it. So I think this is the ninth season that I've done it. USC's had four players go over 100 or four players get to 100. So four players get to triple digits in a, in a game. Now, a couple guys did it one or two times, but there's been four separate players that have reached 100, uh, 100 snaps. The max is 109 by Damian Mama in that ridiculous Rose Bowl. And that was partly because he was on, obviously, the, the field goal unit, the extra point unit. He was also a personal protector on the punt unit. He was on the field goal block unit and the PAT block unit. So he's playing a ton of special team snaps. So that helped boost up his there. numbers. But the offense, obviously, they, were, they played a ton of snaps as well. Uh, but he played 109. That's the most. Not a Dory Jackson. Like he didn't ever he never made it to 100, at least in his uh, sophomore and junior years. I you know his freshman years before I started. But four guys that have made it over 100. Like that's how rare it is. That like guys getting to 90 is pretty rare. 145 is insane. Insane, and I, a couple of people have like commented, like that's not that big of a deal. Guys play two ways in high school. I'm like, those those quarters are 12 minutes versus 15 minutes for one, so you're losing basically a full quarter. So you're only playing three quarters versus four quarters, and it's so different when I could say from experience, it's so different when you're facing just a high school guy versus when you're facing a D1 guy. Because my final game in high school, I went up against a cornerback that was going to Mississippi State, and he kicked my ass all game. Like just every hit, you just felt it that much more versus like you're facing a, a me facing a DB and it's a 5'10", 160 pound, you know, white dude or whatever that's never going to play another snap of football in his life. Like that guy's not hitting you and thumping you every time. It's a lot different when you get to the D1 level. So it is a, a absolutely insane. Now, I don't think this is something that they will try to continue. I think Dion is so good at marketing that he can say, look what Travis Hunter did in this game. He pulled back the reins. He knew all the cameras were on Colorado, especially if they felt like going into like, all right, we got a great chance to get this win. Everyone's going to be watching. We can make a big, you know, big thing. So because last year at Jackson State, he only played like 80-something offensive snaps. Now, maybe part of that is he was banged up, I think, early in the season, Travis Hunter was. So that might have been part of it. It also might have been just the progression of a freshman. You know, how much do you want to put on their plate? But I don't think he's going to be playing 65. I think it was the number of snaps he played on offense in this game. I don't think he'll be playing 65 snaps every game. If he does, more credit to him. But I think you then run into the injury potential just when you're playing that many snaps, just your body wearing down as the season progresses. So hopefully we don't see that because Travis Hunter is electric. I don't know how much you got to watch in that game, Chris, but that boy can play. He's going to be fun to watch. And now I'm like second-guessing the fact that I'm not – booked to go to Colorado with you guys. I planned to skip that one, but now I'm like, oh, do I just want to go see he's gonna, he's gonna, Do I just want to go see Travis right Hunter? <laughs> I'm like, look at, up, look at him. Right if they had big he's Ralphie, right if they still had big Ralphie, I would definitely be there because I haven't seen Ralphie run because the time I was there last, there was rain right at the start of the game. So very still very upset about that, but because they have the little Ralphie right now, and it's in training, basically, like I was like, ah, 
I can skip it. Little little Ralphie needs love too. Don't don't poo poo <laughs> little Ralphie. Don't poo poo little Ralphie. Still, All right. still get some love for little Ralphie. Chris, we got a question actually last weekend. I didn't receive it in time or didn't see it in time, um, but I thought it was a really good question. Uh, Carice asked if the defensive line can master containment. This is all, all coming off of last week's game against San Jose State where they had that issue. How much will it help the linebackers cover better in space? So what kind of you know kind of give the the workings of one one line of defense helps the next line of defense? Like how much do you think that helps uh, out the linebackers in that regard? Well, it obviously are you are we looking at this question like in terms of like a like a pass? Like you have the the QB corralled off, he's not getting out of the pocket, he's not able to create a move. So the linebackers have don't have to scramble as much in in you know where the play breaks down. And they're like, it's, it's it's the same thing with, you know, Caleb Williams. When you watch Caleb Williams get out of the pocket and dance around like that, Brendan Rice touchdown is obviously not a linebacker, but, you know, he's able to create a move and, you know, put the defense under stress. He's stressing the defense to, you know, they're, they're out of their plan. They have to kind of just make it up as they go. And he's able to create and find the opening and bam, touchdown. That's six, Brendan Rice. So that if you're able to not let that happen and keep a quarterback contained. And obviously it's tough when they're a dynamic athlete, uh, whoever you're playing, you know, but obviously Caleb is one of the best. It is the best in the nation. It just, it, you don't put your defense under stress and specifically with your linebackers. They can, uh, they don't, they don't have as much to worry about when the guy's running all over the field and creating openings and, and looking at pockets to, for your, for weak points for your defense in, in in the chaos of a scramble drill. So if if you can keep a guy in the pocket and keep him to a little little pen, then your linebackers have a much easier time, you know, seeing where he's going and not, you know, having to try to master covering a guy who can make any something out of nothing. Yeah, and also, you know, if they're in coverage out in space, you know, it's just one less thing to worry about if you know that the quarterback's going to be hemmed up most of the time. Like you're not constantly turning your head, trying to see and cover at the same time. So then suddenly you're giving up pass catches because you're worried about the run. So it, it all kind of goes hand in hand. You know, your defensive backs look a lot better when you have a dominant pass rush. You know, when your defensive backs are locked down, your pass rush looks a lot better. You know, all those things kind of go together, and that's, you know, just kind of how, how it goes. But I thought it was a really good question, and, you know, I, I think that guys like Tackett Curtis, Mason Cobb, um, when the you know, if they were both playing in this game, they would have looked a lot better because the defensive front, if they were playing against Nevada, they would have looked a lot better because um, of the way the defensive front pushed the pocket, especially in the middle, so much better and didn't let um, – didn't let – I'm blanking on the quarterbacks. Brendan Lewis get out of the pocket a bunch and do something. Now he had one or two scrambles, but you know I, I think that the, the defense played much better in that regard. Chris, we got a couple of the last from the last call, uh, so we'll do some rapid fire here. Jay wanted to know, a uh, good friend of the of, of the program. He said they have to play Rajon Davis and Eric Gentry if healthy on Jurassic, right? Right. I mean, I don't think. Eric Gentry will be healthy. I, I, I just think they're going to need more time. They're trying to get to the bye week with him, but I. So I can't. I can't tell you they're going to play Eric Gentry on a, a Eurasic. But Shagan already mentioned the possibility of you having a, options like Zam Branch or 
Jacoby Covington or Christian Roland Wallace and Rajon Davis to possibly play at at on that tight end. And I think Rajon would do a very good job at it. He's a bigger, obviously, than he was in high school, but he sells those coverage skills, so has really good speed. So I can't promise you Eric Gentry, but I can promise you that I think Rajon Davis could do it. If if Urosic is in line and has his hand on the ground, I'm okay with a linebacker covering it. If he's split out, I don't want a linebacker covering a dynamic tight end. Give me a safety. Now, if Max Williams can't get the job done because he's smaller, don't put him in that position. If you feel like Zion Brecht is not ready, even though he's got the bigger body, don't put him in that position. You have Christian Roland Wallace. He's a shutdown cornerback that you can play inside. He's going to be a difference maker for them this season guarding tight ends, I think. That's what I would do with him. Because he's such a chess piece that you can move him around, do different things. Like if you're going up against, uh, you you know, you're going up against Utah's tight ends or you're going up against, uh, you know, Michael Mayer at Notre Dame last year. Like he's the guy that I say, all right, anytime he comes off the line, splits out, you're taking him. And, you know, if you have an option to sub him in when the tight end comes in, then you're taking him. You know, those type of things. Like that would be my matchup um equalizer at least uh, that's what i would try against him because he's got such long arms plus you know he's got to have great technique so it's not and, and the long arms matter so much because he's not just going to get boxed out you saw that on the the third down breakup that he had in the opener against san jose state in the second half where you know the wide receiver did a pretty good job of keeping his, keeping the ball away from his body uh and catching it you know with Roland wallace behind him but it did matter because Christian Willow Wallace's arms are so long that he could reach around and slap the ball away. So I, I think he's a difference maker in that matchup. And that, that may have been part of the reason why USC was so high on getting him out of the transfer portal. It's like, all right, we got to go get this guy because this is going to be our answer to what plagued us so much last season. So we'll be interested to see if that's something we see in this game. Or what if, Chris, you think we can beat Stanford even if your asset goes off and he has 150 yards and two touchdowns, we're still going to be Stanford. We're not going to use our wild card until we play mm-hmm. Notre Dame and Utah in back-to-back weeks. You know, that's that. Then is the this is the strategy of coaching. Don't show something you have. Do show something. What do you think? What do you play him now? Just like let's get the reps and see how it looks. Or are you trying to hold it back? I think you obviously can survive. Not. Doing playing that card against Stanford, but I think it's going to be insufferable for us on the, on the message <laughs> boards. That that's all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about myself. I'm selfish out here. I'm thinking about myself. Yeah, I don't think you need to show that. Essentially, I think you have enough to get it done this week. But obviously, as many tricks as you can save up your sleeve for the second half of the season, do it. Do it. Unless your sec is just murdering you to the point where it's an actual game. Yeah, I don't think you need to do it. Unless he's going uh who was it was it Keithy last year that had the monster game for Utah? Uh Dalton. Dalton. Oh, Dalton Kincaid. Dalton that's right. Kincaid. They have so many tight ends. Um, because they also have uh Yasmin, I think it is, is the former rugby player, is just a beast as well that blew him up in the Pac-12 championship game. But yeah, if Dalton Kincaid is going off, what was it like 18 catches? Um, for 200-something yards, like, yeah, maybe then you make a switch. If the game gets a little close in the second half, you make a switch. But otherwise, maybe you say, all right, we can get away with it not. 
Uh, Mike Brooks want to know, is Relique Brown going to automatically transfer at the end of the year since he has decided to redshirt? I don't think it's an automatic transfer, but I would say it's trending towards that direction. It's obviously a lot of time can happen. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and the end of the year when the portal opens. But I would say it's currently on that path. And, you know, I talked to his dad. I, I put in the war room that, you know, they're intending to redshirt this season. And, you know, to say they said they were taking it day by day. But again, I and they said they're not even thinking about transferring or they're not even thought about that yet. But I, I would say just talking to people, I think they're definitely on that that path towards the portal in this day and age of college football. Yeah, so he's had a hamstring injury, so that's part of the reason why he's uh, – I want to heal up now, and then we'll see when I'm 100% what kind of goes on. So that's been part of the, the conversation there. So TBD, I mean, it's when you're the fourth option at a slot receiver position, you know, there's only so many balls are going to go around. So, uh, you know, it's it's a difficult spot to be in, but he's, he can be electric with the ball in his hand. So it'd be fun to see him out there along with all this other group that's going on. And I think the last one we got is from Jackson. He said, why is Austin Jones playing so few snaps? First week, he did not play so few snaps. He just didn't, you know, it was a blowout. They didn't play him and Marshawn uh, Lloyd too much. Uh, both of them played a pretty consistent amount. Uh, I'm trying to look up the numbers off the top of my head here, or off my sheet, actually, instead of off the top of my head. Um, in the first game, he played – Marshawn Lloyd played 27 snaps of offense, and Austin Jones played 27 snaps. So it was perfectly even. And then they used the the young guys a little bit later. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier in the show, Austin Jones actually left the game. He did not come back into the game after he made that leaping attempt to jump over a tackle and landed on his head, and his helmet popped off. He left the game and did not return. So he did not play um, after that. So – I think that's why you're seeing that he played so few snaps in that game. Speaking of the running backs, though, Chris, who stood out to you there? I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, we already talked about him, but I thought that whole group was pretty dynamic. Um, and I'm going to bring up Darwin Barlow after you tell me who you thought stood out. I mean, obviously, Marshawn Lloyd, but Quinn Joyner has showcased that speed that it made him, you know, a guy that was a threat to play this year. You know, I think Quinton has deceptive speed he's averaging 11 yards per carry which is number 14th in the nation which is pretty good for a freshman he's made the most out of his limited carries this season and to get his first touchdown with a little giddy up as the the touchdown celebration you know nice to see the freshman get in the end zone and uh, Gerard made this point on the podcast that uh, Quinn Joyner is like he's rounded which makes him very hard to tackle it's hard to get a hold of him and he's slippery and he's so muscular that you can't really get a grip on him. And that's why he he can break so many tackles and bounce off so many defenders, which I thought was a really interesting uh, point that he made. Well, I like Darwin Barlow. I, I feel bad for him that he doesn't give him more opportunities because he runs so damn hard every time he gets the ball. And he's got five touches so far this season. He's got 40 yards. So, you know, and you look back at like anytime you throw him in, like the, the UCLA game last year, just out of nowhere, hadn't played in forever, it feels like. And in the fourth quarter, just making huge run after huge run uh, for them and that to, to get into the end zone on back, I think it was back-to-back runs. It was just impeccable seeing him out there. So I uh, hope he gets more opportunities just because he's so much fun to watch and he's such he seems like such a good kid from every time we talk to him. So, Chris, that's all the questions I have for you. 
Are you excited that we do we got out of questions pretty quick there? I mean, somehow this feels like a two-hour podcast, so not quite, but I'm glad that questions is behind us. All right, let's go take it or leave it. You get oh, to take back a, over. We we don't have a fake corporate sponsor for this week. The phones were hmm. were dead. They didn't they didn't get so again, we're we're open to any any sponsorship that comes our way. Shotgun, I got five for you. So let's uh let's take it or leave it. Uh, take it or leave it. Taj Washington is the most consistent wide receiver on the team. I take it, take it. But I was okay. I was thinking of Dorian Singer as another option, um, and Zachariah Branch could probably be thrown in there too. But Dorian Singer had kind of had his ups and downs last year. You know, had the huge game against USC, didn't have a ton of touchdowns outside the USC game. So I'll, I'll go with Taj Washington. I'll take it. Let's kick it to the defense. Freshman Braylon Shelby will start multiple games this year. I'm leaving it. Um, yeah, I think just the you look at the edge positions, like is he going to play over Jamil Muhammad and Romello Height and Anthony Lucas? Like I don't think that's happening. Next one, a little bit of a fun one. The Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson touchdown celebration cannot be topped this year i'm gonna leave it because okay. one we could have a, a a fat guy touchdown celebration okay that could be really good like someone does the same exact move but it's a fat guy doing it it's better and also we could get an even better michael jackson the third michael jackson celebration now, I don't have a problem if he decides to make that is every time he scores celebration. Right. That's great. But what if he busts out a different Mike Jack move every different uh every touchdown he gets? I mean, if he moonwalks, it's over. It's like but that's the one, but I would need a choreographed moonwalk. Like I need multiple guys in there. Yeah. The thing is, I feel like it's very hard to moonwalk in cleats True. on a football field. So I don't I don't know if that can be done but maybe you know you could do the little thriller dance or whatever but yeah if you, if you found out some way to moonwalk it would be uh it would be pretty elite uh next one take it or leave it colorado is more dangerous than arizona in terms of the schedule i want you to take out the road factor for a second on these because i i do know that makes a difference yeah that was what i was going to go with um no i'm gonna leave it I just don't think that they have the depth and, you know, they were getting gashed up front in the, the little bit I watched of that game. Um, probably saw about half of the game. I would say they're getting gashed on the defensive line. I just don't think they have the depth. So now, and, and by the time they get to USC, like I, I'm, I had to pull up their schedule, but it's not as a murderer's row, but there's no like off day in between that. I think they come up, they play Oregon the week before USC. So it's not like um, that they set up and can get rested up for USC. Yeah. You're playing play TCU tough game. You win. Congratulations. Play Nebraska. You play Colorado state, a rivalry game. You play Oregon and then you play USC. Like I just feel like that's going to be, you know, they're going to be, wishing and hoping for a bye week before, you know, before they played USC just to get healed up and stuff, because I don't think they have the depth. So I think that's going to be something that's going to factor in as the season plays out for them. And the final one, Lincoln Riley mentioned this in 
uh, his post-game presser that they need the fans to show up for the Stanford game. So take it or leave it, USC fans show up for the Stanford game. He said he needs it rocking for the Saturday night, 730. Mm. I'm going to be optimistic and take it, but I'm not very confident. You didn't sound confident. You didn't sound confident. It is a night game, so that cuts out some of the older fans. Um, it is Stanford, so that brings in some of the older fans. Uh, it, but the the reason why it should be rocking, the reason why fans should come out is this could be the last time they play Stanford in who knows how long. Like, is, is Stanford and USC going to be a non-conference matchup if they play regularly? I don't think so. So, you know, when's the next time? Like, the non-conference schedules are already pretty much set for – you know, the next however long, like when is USC going to have time to fit in an ACC team into their schedule? That sounds weird to say, but that's what Stanford will be. So if you're playing Notre Dame every year, you're playing the Big Ten schedule, you're suddenly going to add another Power 5 team in there, uh, you know, even if it is Stanford. Like, I just don't think it's going to be something that will happen regularly. It'll be something that's, you know, a 12-year down the road schedule made. So fans should come out because of the fact that they're playing Stanford for the last time. And who knows when? So it plus USC wants to beat the Cardinal always. You know, it's the oldest rivalry, I think, if you consider it a rivalry. Bonus, take it or leave it. USC fans should not boo, but cheer when Stanford comes out because last time they were in the Coliseum was the reason Clay Helton got fired. <laughs> um, they should cheer if for nothing else than for the Stanford tree. What a mascot! A tree. A tree. A tree. I, I, I wish it was a real tree and they were just it was in a planner and they, they put it on a someone just uh, carried red, it red out. Red wagon. Yeah, red wagon and they just uh carried out there. That's all I got for you, shotgun, for take it or leave it. The serious ones. I don't have that many for the overtime. I only got two. I was uh actually grilling before we came on for this podcast. So you gotta take one, leave the other. Charcoal charcoal to propane grilling. Um, I'm gonna go propane just because it's easier. You're, Chuck, you're from the south. I feel like you're you're gonna get crucified for that. I don't actually do the grilling, so I don't really care. As long as the food tastes good, it's fine. He doesn't care. He, as long as he doesn't taste the difference, it doesn't. Matter. I'm colorblind, so I'm technically not allowed to be on the grill because I can't tell you know the color of the meat um, unless I'm. I have to go straight thermometer. Who wants a guy on the grill that's using a thermometer all the time? The chicken's gray, the beef's gray, the kebabs are gray. Everything's gray to this man. Uh, the last one, I actually learned for the first time what this is, so I'm just I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But a haboob? I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm about to, oh, I'm gonna take a haboob. Uh, take it. Yeah, I like any uh natural phenomenon that's uh, kind of unique and doesn't hurt anyone. What a is? So it's it? basically a dust storm, right? Or is it? Does it have to have Something the with the magnetic magnetic field or something with the? Uh, I don't know. It's it's very. If you don't know why we're talking about this, it's because the a haboob hit the uh, Arizona State game uh, on Thursday. That there's a weather delay. It's a, it's a dust storm created by atmospheric gravity current, also known as a weather front. It's basically so, a dust storm. Um, yeah. and it could be a pretty scary one, can be, according to some of the, the 
photos I've seen, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a you know if you've seen the mummy when the wave of sand comes by, that's kind of what it feels like. Mm, I feel like we would. I feel like we wouldn't have uh, enjoyed being in that on the sideline. No, and I've seen like the uh, at Arizona for baseball. I've seen like the dust swirls, like in the infield, like literally play had to be stopped because there was a full uh, not a tornado, but I don't know exactly what it's called. But the dust swirls that that pop up occasionally um, in the desert. So that was interesting. You know, play has to be stopped because you know the the shortstop is being overran by a you know a, a dust tornado. That's all I got for you. Not a ton of overtime ones, but I'm sure we'll have more in the future. So you can wrap up this show. All right, Chris, we got a score prediction. What do you got? USC, last I saw, is a 29 and a half point favorite. So what is your score prediction for this game? First score that came to mind, I have 55 24. That is my score prediction. 55 24, which I. I'm no mathematician, but I believe that gets them the cover. That would, that would barely get them the cover by one and a half. Barely points. gave them the cover, so yeah. So 55, 24. I think they're going to be able to score a couple times. I think they're a little bit feisty, but USC's going to be able to put up points, and I think they'll most of those points will be kind of in the garbage time. And that's three. That'd be three straight games with 50 plus points. I don't know the last time they did that. The last time they had back to back games with 50 plus was in the start of the 20. 15 or 2017 season. I saw it earlier, but I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but um, you know, so yes, USC can score a ton of points. I think Cardinals a little bit better than I anticipated from watching them. But like you said earlier, when we were previewing it, like they gave up a ton of passing yards. So I'm a little concerned about that. If I, if I think the game is going to be anywhere close, I think Caleb Williams starts for a ton. Ah, that's Chris. Give, give me, give me seventy. I'm gonna give USC oh my. seventy in this game. God damn! I think Ashton Daniels like, throws an interception or something. I, 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 he was like, you know what, you know what, Stanford's <laughs> better than I expected. F him, seventy, seventy burger. Screw him. Go to hell, Stanford. That's that's the exact energy he gave. Seventy. 21 I'm, I'm i'm curious if they're better than you thought they were what would be your initial prediction 81 which you've gone to oregon for well 81? i think usc would look to overlook them more like, i think they look at it and go okay this, we didn't actually play and so if they play up to their potential um I, I don't think stanford has it doesn't they don't they don't have the talent that they've had in the past so but they do have some playmakers like we talked about but I think because they played better against Hawaii than anticipated, at least in my eyes, like the coach said, like, all right, we got to make sure we're playing, blah, 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 rather than the team, like, looking forward to their bye week or whatever, um, you know, which Lincoln Riley doesn't let happen. But still, as a player, you just like, all right, we're 30-point favorites. Well, you know, we're going to win this game. And you sort of come out and lay an egg a little bit and a couple drives and give away a possession here or there. I think they'll they'll be more locked in because I think Stanford's a little bit better than anticipated. Damn, baby. We're locked in. We'll be locked in for this week. Watch it be like a 35 to 3 game. And I'm like, oh, they got halfway. Oh, That's okay. not what anticipated. All right, Chris. I think that's it. 
We wrapped it up. I hosted. We went way too long once again. But you got to somehow yeah. figure out how to get me to stop talking. Yeah, that's fine. We we live and we learn, you know. We live and we learn. <laughs> All right, sir. Any last thoughts on USC opening up 2-0 and and now going to play Stanford? Caleb Williams already has nine touchdown passes, nearly 600 yards or so. Pretty efficient. He's played, what, five and a half quarters? Six something quarters, like five and a half quarters, yeah, something like that. Uh, no, it's been you know a fun start to the season. I'm going to miss you once again next week. It's going to be weird, you know. We're we're getting three weeks in, and then we got a bye week. It's it's weird having the bye week that early, but you know, get get some early rest. USC could use the early rest as well. So yeah, I'm excited to see the uh, the final Pac-12 season, the farewell tour, finally get going next week. So it should be a fun game. It's going to be a late late game, obviously 7:30. <laughs> Very late for us, so very late we'll on the up. East Coast since I'm not there. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens, but I'm expecting another big win. All right, Chris, thanks so much to you for joining me. Thanks so much to everyone for listening to the Helium Boys, part of the Parent Style Podcast family of shows. We hope you guys come back next week and join us. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, all those type of things. We really appreciate it when you do, and we love getting to hear from all you guys. Uh, when we're at the games and stuff, reaching out and saying that you listen to the podcast and all that type of stuff. So please keep that up. Also, everyone, if you see Chris, make him take a picture with you. Tweet it at me for this game. Since I'm not going to be there, make me feel like I'm there with my fellow Helium boy. Let's make that happen. All right, let's see how many we get, Chris. Uh, over, under on a uh, number of picks you're getting. I'll say I'll get four. Oh, I was going with three and a half. So, all right, we'll see where it goes. All right, guys, thank you guys so much again for listening. And we'll be back next week to to break down what happens uh, at USC Stanford and, you know, what USC needs to work on going into that bye week.